Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Beth Schulman, author of the memoir, The Gold Mailbox. Beth, welcome to the show. Hello. So nice to be here. Great. Beth, what made you decide to write a memoir? Well, actually, I didn't really sit down and decide to write it. Um, it kind of found me. I had spent so much of my life really trying to keep busy. I was always moving forward at warp speed, kind of avoiding thoughts of my early years um, as a child of abuse and neglect. And it wasn't really until I became a mother that some of those voices from my past came back to haunt me. Um, I just found myself struggling in ways I couldn't explain. Um, You know, I was a teacher, and I always felt like I'd be a great mom. Um, And some issues really came up for me when I started mothering my own children, Uh, So as a form of therapy, really, I just started recording some of my memories from childhood. Uh, The memories were confined to a journal. Um, I took out mostly in the summertime when I had a reprieve from my job as a kindergarten teacher. Uh, And then over the years, those journal entries kind of developed into scenes, um, and I started paying more attention to the craft of writing and creating them into scenes. And then that was 15 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, fast forward, um, I I was divorced, and uh, I was still busy teaching kindergarten kids uh, during the day, and I be- had become a graduate, um, uh, a, a teacher of graduate studies uh, in education at night. And so, I, again, I, I continued to be busy, um, but I didn't have the pressure of, you know, having to be a full-time mom. My two sons were, you know, growing up. They were living their own busy lives. And so I took out those journals and I kind of dusted them off. And, um, you know, again, I think having just been divorced, I felt a new resolve to get my story finished. It felt really important to me to slow down and really focus on this. And so I dusted off the journals and I just started to take some writing courses and going on writing retreats and, Um, the more I shared my story with others, writers and close friends, it was their enthusiasm and encouragement that really helped me gain the confidence to finish it and then go for publishing. And did you find, you know, through writing about the trauma and the neglect that you went through and, and everything, even reliving it, did you find it to be healing in some way to sort of write that out and, and sort of go through it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, hundred uh, percent. Even just those early writings of just getting out some of the stuff and trying to unpackage my childhood—that was healing. Um, but then, even more so, um, although it was painful at times, it was as I got deeper into the story, it was definitely cathartic and ultimately a really empowering experience. You think fellow author uh, Claire Bid- Bidwell Smith in the book for sort of helping you with the book and the proposal. How did you meet her and begin working with her? Um, Well, I had read her book, which is a memoir called The Rules of Inheritance. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it. It was, it was also about loss. And I, I'm really drawn to memoir. Um, I always have been, even before I decided to get busy, you know, writing my own. And 
I just loved her voice in the story, and I really uh, respected her as a writer. So I found her website, and I wrote to her, and she became a source of inspiration and guided me through the book writing proposal process. Um, you know, I consulted with her, and it was through her that I was able to write the book proposal, um, which was a pro- I had something I knew nothing about, um, and it was a daunting process. And I've learned that, you know, sometimes all it takes is reaching out and connecting with others uh, to make things happen. And and that's exactly what I did. Well, and there's really this lovely community within, you know, the authors and writers community, sort of how helpful everyone is for one another. And it's really nice to hear, you know, how helpful people are when you're you're kind of used to being alone in the writing process so it's really nice to have that community how long did it take you to write the book when you when you sat down and unearthed the journals and started going through everything how long did it take to get it written yeah I I would say it was a three-year process um again I was working full-time so um, the times that I had to devote to writing were really the weekends. Um, and, you know, I was, again, I had teenage, I had teenagers at home at this time, and uh, they were both involved uh, with school sports. So, you know, I was still very involved in their lives. But what I found is that when I sat down and decided to, um, write, I had to write in large chunks. So I would devote an entire day to writing and because it took me a while to get into the scene. And, um, and then of course, once I was in that space, time just flew and I, I found it to be um, pretty amazing experience writing in that way, even though it did take time. Mm -hmm. Did you find, you know, in writing sort of, was there, did you connect with anyone from your past or was it just, you just sort of dove in and did your own recollection of things, you know, from your journal? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. Um, one of the things that really helped me in writing the book um, was reaching out to my mother's family members who I really had very, um, limited connection to. We lived in New York and they lived in uh, California and she was pretty much estranged from her family um, as a young person and as we were growing up. And so um, when I was writing the book in those three years and I was really serious about writing, my mother had um, passed away. You know, she was no longer alive and um, I couldn't ask her some of these questions. So I went to some of her siblings and I and her cousin, and I, I started getting some interviewing them really about what life was like for them growing up, and particularly what my mother was like, trying mm-hmm. to understand um, some of the things that happened and some of her behaviors. And that was extraordinarily helpful to me to get a broader view of who she was um, beyond the monster that I experienced as a child. Yes, because I mean, really, you know, for our listeners who haven't read the book yet, it's really this story of how your parents have separated and you you're living with your mom and then she gets this boyfriend, Saul. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just becomes very abusive and neglectful, both on her part and your part. So when we come back from the break, we'll discuss 
this a little bit more. Everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibel, and today we're talking with Beth Shulman, author of the memoir, The Gold Mailbox. When we come back, we'll discuss how she came to have empathy for the people who had hurt her and what she's learned about the writing process. And at the end of the show, we'll share how you can win a free copy of The Gold Mailbox. Tweet with us on Twitter at WriterCrystal with the hashtag memoir. We'll be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee, and today we're continuing our conversation with author of the memoir, The Gold Mailbox, Beth Shulman. Beth, how did writing your memoir sort of help you develop this empathy for your mother? Because as we said before the break, you know, she had, you know, gotten together with this boyfriend who ended up abusing you and your sister as well. And, and just, it was a really sort of traumatic childhood and sort of you know, throughout the book, you kind of speak about this relationship with her and being estranged for many years. How did you come to develop this sort of empathy with your relationship? Yeah, like I had started um, saying before, it was really widening way back and being able to be in the story and kind of relive some of those childhood dark experiences was helpful because then I could leave it on the page. You know, I was able Mm -hmm. to separate myself from it. And when I widened back, I really started to reflect on who was my mother as a character. All evil or all good. And I I wanted to sort of get to know who she was as a multidimensional person. I'd always seen her as just kind of the bad guy, the one that Mm -hmm. had emotionally abandoned me. And um, so once I had started talking to her family members, I learned that she had a very difficult childhood, probably um, struggled with mental illness and, again, wasn't diagnosed, but the suggestion that maybe she was bipolar and had some struggles in that way really came through and that her father was an al- her father was an alcoholic and then her stepfather was a pretty terrible person and there there was a lot that came out that kind of allowed me to again not completely discount what had happened because it happened and it was painful mm-hmm. um but just to gaining a broader understanding of the bigger picture um was really helpful for me in developing empathy for her Well, and really, I mean, when we look back, it's kind of interesting when you're writing memoir, you know, it's such a life altering experience in the way that we're reliving everything that happened in great detail. And then we have to edit and revise it several times. So it's sort of an ongoing process of reliving our past again and again. How did you manage your emotions and well-being while you wrote wrote about this? Um, That's a great question. I, it was, it it was exhausting. I mean, it was, it, it, in the end, it was empowering. And um, again, I, I think one of the best things I did was to write the story because it allowed me to let go of a lot and to move forward and move on. Um, But while I was writing, as I said, you know, I would write in these large chunks of time. I could just sit at the computer and write for six hours. Um, And I needed to make sure I I had carved out that uninterrupted time for myself. Um, And then 
I would just take naps. I, I napped a lot. <laughs> you know, after writing some of the more difficult scenes, I would just be exhausted and I would go to sleep. And then I would wake up feeling renewed and refreshed and ready to write some more. Well, it's really, I mean, you're releasing years and years of repressed emotion and memories, and then sleep can be so restorative. It's almost like exercise, you know, bodybuilders will do these crazy workouts (laughs) and then come home and have these power naps. And they say that's what helps rebuild the muscle. So it's really like Mm. rebuilding, you know, the muscle in your brain. That's like, you're going to be okay, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. in terms of editing, did you self-edit or did you hire an editor prior to submitting your work to agents? Well, I I never hired an editor. I was, again, I was on a limited budget. And so mm-hmm. I had to really decide on how I wanted to spend the limited resources that I had. Um, and so what I really spent my money and time um and resources on were writing coaches. And so I I mentioned Claire Bidwell-Smith, who coached me through the writing proposal, uh, the book proposal piece, which obviously happened at the end of my writing. But um, in in the middle of my writing, I reached out to another um, author that I admired very much, uh, an author named Jennifer Locke, Mm-hmm. who wrote several memoirs, um, her first being Blackbird. And that was the first memoir that I had read that was actually told from the child's point of view in her child's voice. And I was fascinated by that, and, I, and I, that's actually how I wrote my book. And mm-hmm. I, um, I, I really modeled my writing after hers, and I, I loved hearing a story told from the child. It was there, It was honest and raw and innocent and... Uh, that really appealed to me. So just like reaching out to Claire Bidwell-Smith, I looked up Claire uh, Jennifer Locke, and I found that she had a website and that she had um, um, a consulting business where she consulted with new writers, and she also had uh, some writing courses, online writing courses. And so uh, that's where I spent um, my resources. Uh, and I, I worked with her for about a year, both privately and also um, in coursework. Mm-hmm. And then she had a writer's retreat out in Oregon, which um, I attended and was, uh, again, very helpful uh, in sharing my work with others. And through that work, um, but the online course and also the retreat, I connected with these two wonderful women who have become lifelong friends. Uh, they are both writing their memoirs. And after we were kind of finished with our work with Jennifer, we formed our own writers group. And Wonderful. That, and we met online once a week religiously for two years. And it was, um, I think that was critical in, in, in my progress of writing the book. Well, it's so important, too, because, I mean, it can be very isolating when you're writing and to have these people as your sort of coven of of writer friends that get what you're going through and you can give each other feedback. And it's just I find it so helpful to have a writing group and a group of trusted oh, just being people. Part of it, yes, just being part of a community. And again, having never met these people before, I felt like they were objective, but they um, they were full-hearted. I mean, I think anyone that wants to put themselves out there and that feels they want to put their story as traumatic as maybe it was on the on on the page, there there are people who um, 
tend to be really open-hearted people. And I, I just loved working with them and, and reading and responding to their writing helped me become a better writer. Yes. Cause you're helping edit. And so it kind of helps you shape, you know, your own work because you have practice editing others, right? Exactly. And, um, and reading my work aloud to them, um, became a, a powerful tool in figuring out what to keep and what to cut and what to write. Sometimes when you're, you're writing and you're so in your head, it, it, it sounds okay when it's in your head, but then when you speak it, it doesn't have the same impact. And mm-hmm. so I found just reading aloud um, was very helpful. Absolutely. It's like one of the best editing tools you can use and it's free. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, in terms of the book proposal, you know, that can sort of be its own beast in terms of writing and polishing and presenting to agents. How long did it take for you to get the proposal ready and, and, and out there? Well, that was an intense process, but I was, I would say it was about a month, um, mm-hmm. but it was, it was intense. I mean, I was, working with Claire, she, she was really guiding me through the process. She had, um, you know, was a professional in this way. She really knew what a book proposal ought to look like and all the components. And uh, I, 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 at that point, I was so anxious to get it out there, you know, that, that although it wasn't a fun it wasn't fun writing, that's for sure, but it, it was, but it was, it, it went quickly because I was so motivated at that point. Well, and it also helps you sort of in the process of your writing too, when you work with the proposal, because you have to get really clear on what each chapter is going to be and, and exactly. how your stories sort of formed from beginning to end. I think with memoir, I don't know if you found this, but you write and write and write, and then you cut about 75% Mm -hmm. of it. So did you find, was it difficult to cut some of those scenes that you felt were really important? It really was. And because, um, you know, eh, I'm in my late forties and the um, technology doesn't come, you know, as easily for me as maybe someone who is is a couple decades younger. Mm -hmm. I, I found it challenging to even figure out, you know, when I was cutting things, I just cut them. And then I felt like this sense of loss because they were gone. I, what I really should have done is cut and pasted them in another document, <laughs> but I had written so much. I mean, that is one thing I learned is you shouldn't yeah. ever discard anything you've written because it all, it can become another story or another book. Sometimes people Absolutely. have three books in one, yeah. you know, and you, um, one of the women that I, I um, her name's Angela, who I became very uh, close with uh, in my writers group, she has so much of a story to tell. Her biggest challenge has been narrowing down what part mm-hmm. of the story she's going to tell. And for me, that too was a challenge because I, once I decided to just concentrate on these seven um, significant years of my childhood where a lot of things happened and there was a lot of change and it, it ends in a very hopeful way. Um, my book does. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's parts that have humor and there's, there's, it, it's, it's a happy ending. Um, and I, I had stopped writing, uh, before that happy ending. So I had only written about the trauma and the feedback that I got from both Jennifer Locke and Claire Bidwell Smith when they read my manuscript was, you have to keep going. You can't end there. Um, you have to show the reader some good stuff. And yes. that was really powerful to me because 
I knew I was okay. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm fine. Obviously, I'm writing a book. I'm okay. Yeah. But the reader doesn't know that, and you don't want to leave the reader feeling um, a, that sense of loss and not mm-hmm. having some closure. And so I, I did write uh, another third of the book, actually, um, what was that last part, and then I, I did end with an epilogue as well. And I think, too, you know, as when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. It was just, you know, there had been so much trauma, right? And then you had just start to, you know, things would start to get good and something else would happen. And so for the reader at the end there, you know, they get to find out everything that happened. And I think that's what I loved about your book so much because, there was there was a, a beautiful wrap up in a way where it was like you know um, all is not lost and and you healed and you moved forward and mm-hmm. I just I thought it was a great way you told it because you really did capture you know the age that you were as a child writing from a child's point of view and not an adult looking back so it was really mm-hmm. really like you couldn't help but be completely engrossed in the story because it was just like you were, it was happening as you were reading. Well, and you know, writing for me, writing it in that way, what really kept me in the moment and kept me present mm-hmm. because whenever I had, whenever I tried writing it um, as an adult looking back, it became very stiff and superficial uh, because what I find is when we're adults, we intellectualize things and we understand things in a different way than we understood them as a child. So there was something lost um, because I had at one point tried to write the story kind of from an adult looking back and it just didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it only makes sense because it happened at that point in your life. So why wouldn't it be told from that point of view? It was just mm-hmm. so well done. If there was Thank one you. thing you wish for people to take away from the gold mailbox, what would it be? I want my story to inspire readers. Um, to understand and own their own stories. Uh, I just lived so much of my life hiding from my past and mm-hmm. just feeling such shame about things I had been through. And once I was able to unpackage and begin to understand where my shame was coming from, I really began to feel whole and live a, a much healthier and happier life. So the, my big takeaway was and is that our stories are really important and we get to decide how we allow them to shape our lives. Oh, that's beautiful, Beth. And I so agree. <laughs> Thank you mm-hmm. so much for being here, Beth. It's been a great conversation today. And I really, I just, I loved the book. I thought it was so well written and, oh, and I really enjoyed you. it. So thank you for sharing it with me as well. And thanks for having me on your program. Anytime. Well, everyone, Beth Shulman can be found at BethShulman.com. That's Beth, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N.com. You can win a free copy of The Gold Mailbox just by signing up for my newsletter at CrystalLeeQuibel.com. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and trips tricks on how to get your work published. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at Writer Crystal. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibble. Thank you for tuning in and please keep writing. 
Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.